if you want to be in shape, then you got to deal with the pain of getting in shape. And so I understand the pain, the criticism, the misunderstanding that comes with it. But, you know, we up for the challenge because, I mean, this is what I'm called to. This is what we signed on to. And we knew that it wasn't going to be pretty all the time. Yeah. You know, sun, sometimes Sunday morning is really pretty, but 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 Monday afternoon is tough and difficult. You know, we're going to a scene where the four-year-old was killed in Frazier yesterday. So we're going to that scene today. It's not going to be a pretty scene. We don't like addressing issues like that, but that's what we're called to do. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. So glad that we have today Myron Thomas, who is the senior pastor at Innovation Church, I've been trying to wrestle down this guy for some time now to get him back in the studio. So much is happening, but Myron, it's good to see you here. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Man, glad to be here. Just excited every time I get an opportunity to spend time with you. Hey, so, how's Tori and the kids? Oh, they're awesome, man. Yeah. They're awesome. Uh, 13-year-old uh, Madison. You got a great. teenager girl. I got a teenager. Oh, uh, girl. Oh, yes. my goodness. So, What's that like? <sighs> devastating. <laughs> Up at night. Up at night? <laughs> Checking phones, yeah. checking computers. You yeah, know. yeah, a lot of prayers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, but but yeah, just it, it's real. It's a real joy, man. Just whenever I um, look at my kids, I still get the same joy that that I had once we once we had them. So that's awesome. And, and your son Myron Jr. My Myron Jr. Yeah, Myron Jr. Is he's six, six years he's old. Six. That's football, a major discovery. Oh man, yeah, a little football player, basketball player, um, just a little aggressive. Loving any signs that he might want to be a preacher someday. Absolutely, he said his name is Pastor Myron Jr. Because so, you know, my friend, and I know yours too, Doctor Bartholomew Orr has Bartholomew Orr the third, his grandson, who's mm-hmm. five, and he calls him preacher in training. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he already said like I'm Pastor Myron Jr. He told uh, my assistant the other day. I think some people on the staff listen. Y'all need to listen to me because I'm sacking in charge. (laughs) (laughs) He's six years old. He's six years old. Oh, that's great. What does summertime do for the Thomas family? You guys have any free time to take some R&R? Absolutely. A lot of times we we take a vacation, my wife and I, and um, then we take a vacation with the kids. Oh, you take one together? That's smart. We take one together. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, we got to have that uh, QT time with me and the wife. You know, I think that's great, Myron, because so often we get consumed with family life, you know, with the kids and doing and going. we got to really respect that relationship with our spouse. I was listening to Gary Chapman, who's written books on marriage. He was on Focus on the Family this morning. And he was talking about when you first start dating, you've got that bench seat in your car, and you're all snuggled up real close. I mean, you look like you're one person yeah. driving down the road. Mm-hmm. And then after a few years you've been married, you know, you've got those bucket seats, and you're <laughs> far apart from each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. We, we, we agreed um, on the own set. We're going to keep the main thing the main thing. We're not yeah. going to allow church, children, anything else, other family members to get in between us. And so keeping the main thing the main thing, we still have a date night, a time that we spend with each other to make sure that we don't allow ourselves get sidetracked with business the leadership empowerment center i know it's a nonprofit that uh, you created to work with youth to build uh, leadership future leaders in a community how's that work going oh man it is going awesome is it it is it is we have several leaders in mlk and uh Tresman high school and uh, georgian hills middle school and so they come together we have a, a leadership intensive that we have 12 kids from those programs that we strongly invest in time management, um, uh, life skills. We take them to a Fortune 500, try and take them to Fortune 500 companies, um, nonprofits in, in the city um, to really get exposed to life outside of Frazier. And professionals come in and 
we actually pay them stipends and actually uh, for uh, for them to go through the program. And so we really get excited about that and just building leaders to build other leaders. So we invest in leaders to invest in other leaders. In. And I guess when these youth catch the vision or they see the potential, what they can become through that, no telling how it can change their life. Absolutely. Uh, in order to be something different, you have to see something different. So we try and expose them to something different. You know, it's a uh, saying that say you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make them drink it. I say, yeah, you can't make them drink it, but you sure can make them thirsty. <laughs> so that's what we do, you know, really show them life outside of Frazier right. and uh, just to see what's taking place. Even uh, we have youth that's come uh, from our organization that's back on our staff that's working full time. They left LEC, went off to college, graduated, and actually came back, and now they're working full-time on our staff. So this work has actually been working enough to see some fruition like that. That, Absolutely. That is great. Yes. That must really encourage you, too. Oh, man, yeah, because for so long, you know, you didn't see that. Right. And we saw kids going to prison, kids, you know, um, in caskets, and we had more kids that we buried than those that went to college. And, and that was a problem. And so now that dynamic has changed. And so we're seeing kids go to college. It's not if you're going to college, but it's what college you're going to. Wow. You know, that just breaks your heart when you think about our children. Yeah. And many not seen past their days as a youth. Absolutely. Because of the threat of violence in the community, the trauma that they face. Absolutely, man. We, we, we have a young man on our staff, and he said that. You know, he really didn't have a plan. And he didn't come through the youth program. He's in his 40s now. But he said he didn't have a plan in the past his 20s because he didn't see himself living past his 20s. You know, he felt that, you know, today may be his last day, you know, when he was growing up as a child. And so I think we're dealing with a generation of people who don't see themselves getting old, you know, because so many of their loved ones have died and so many of their friends have died, you know, in their teens and in their early 20s that they don't they don't have vision it changed for you you grew up in the fraser community i didn't grow up in the fraser community i got in trouble in the fraser community that's where you got in trouble that's where i got in trouble. okay <laughs> <laughs> but there was that transformation that took place absolutely. for you absolutely oh yeah yeah it, it, it's and i was i was young i actually went to college but getting incarcerated immediately out of college you know god used that to transform my life because i had some type of vision but really didn't have true vision until God changed my life and and showed me that I don't have to live for the enemy, but I can live for him and my life changed. Let's talk specifics, if we can, about some of the challenges in the day-to-day for those you minister to through the Innovation Church. You you got kids that come from single-parent homes, um, kids whose father's not present, mom may be on on drugs, kids going to, to elementary school in the kindergarten not knowing how to read. And when you have a kid that not that don't know how to read um, when he's in the kindergarten and he don't know how to read in the third grade and he goes into middle school and seeing so much violence and drug dealing and um, gang banging, it becomes the norm for you. And a lot of kids, they don't get into, to, into the seventh grade and say, you know, hey, when I become 12 years of age, I want to be a gangster disciple. I want to be a vice lord. It's what they were surrounded by. It was. It's what they saw, what they was exposed to. And some kids feel like this is the only option that I have. When you see young people who grew up in those areas and um, get addicted to crack cocaine or sell drugs, they don't think as 
a five-year-old, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. It's just when they're exposed to it so much, they feel that this is the only option that I have. You know, I was talking to Charlie Coswell recently, and he was saying that, you know, you see some youth that get arrested for stealing a bag of potato chips. It's because they're hungry. Absolutely. There's no food in the house. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you know, and some kids just choose the wrong path. But a lot of kids, it's this was what was handed to them. This was given to them. And so when you don't have an, an, an option, you know, or your only option is to be hungry or to steal some chips. You'll take B. (laughs) Yeah, oh my. I know that you have been ministering to a family. We're talking about uh, Brandon Weber and the family, and our prayers, especially, we just want to say prayers for the Weber family and their loss. And I know that you have been right there in contact with Mrs. Weber, the mom. June 12th, some things happened very quickly in our city. Absolutely. Went down very fast. Uh, Where were you? When did you receive the call? I was at the pool with my son. I saw somebody going live on Facebook, and they said that um, some officers just killed somebody in Frazier. I didn't immediately go out to Frazier. We had a staff. I called our staff, and one of our staff members were looking into it. And so I got a call from someone that said I needed to get out there. And I said, man, you know, I come out there. It's not anything I can do. I'll just wait. That was my, my, my mindset at the time. I'm spending time with my son. And so I got another call and a text message, and several text messages said, I need to get out there. So um, when I got to the scene, I, I saw what was taking place. The rioting had stopped. In relation to Innovation Church, mm-hmm. proximity, what not oh, near? Uh, it's, it's less than a mile. Okay. It's less than a mile, a couple of blocks away uh, from Innovation Church, about three blocks away from Innovation Church. And so um, when I got there, it was just mayhem. You know, um, the rioting was further down the street. We were blocked off, so we couldn't really see it. But we knew that the police had sprayed tear gas. Um, people had, you know, tore up the police car, had... Um, assaulted the police officers, and so we knew that a lot had taken place in the community by the time I got there. In the middle of all that confusion, I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, what, what were you hoping to try to do, or what could you do? Um, I didn't know all the details at that time, and and it was just sad. It was a sad day for our community. I didn't know what what the future meant for the community. Uh, I didn't know um, all the details. I was hoping that no one was no one else was killed you know yes. throughout the process that no one else was hurt and so it was just a, it was a sad day it was a sad day um you know people were just had mixed emotions you right. had the crowd excited that the police officers were being hurt uh, half of the crowd and some of the crowd was appalled that they were excited that police officers were actually being bagged into ambulance, you know. And so it was just a mixed crowd. It was some people that was in the community that wasn't from the community that stirred up a lot of what took place in the community, you know, and it looked like it was all Frazier, you know. They really painted a, a picture of Frazier that does not represent Frazier. Incidents like this that we've seen over the past few years across America and other cities, you know, uh, haven't turned out so well. What was different about the situation? You and other ministries in the Fraser community have worked very closely trying to bridge some of the communication gap between the police authorities and those in the community. Um, I think what, what happened different here, I received a Facebook post from someone who once they saw that I was supporting the family in this matter. Now, Bala, we support the community. Whether it's the family, whether it's the police officers, whether it's the fire department, yes, we, we we support our community. We serve our community, and so this is a hurting family. And one, of my first response is to leadership in our city was when they first reported what took place. They 
first initially said that we're so proud of the restraint from our police officers and we're excited about them holding back. And I addressed that and said, we did not acknowledge the family. You must acknowledge the family. Someone lost their lives. Whether this kid had a gun, whether he pointed at the police, regardless of what happened, this young man died. A mother lost a son. A mother lost a son. Some children lost a father. Brothers lost a brother. Friends lost a friend. He died. And we need to say that, hey, we're sorry for what took place. We're sorry for if if it was self-inflicted. If he, I mean, someone lost someone. Someone who was created in the image of God. Absolutely. Yes. So that has to be addressed first. Now, hey, we commend our police officers for the great restraint that took place. It was unfortunate. And so we we really addressed that. And so I received a a Facebook post by someone who I feel like we had a relationship through different individuals. And he said, how is it that we can support the family? How is it that we can't support the family? He wanted to know why was there such a big outcry in the community when the guy had a gun and he aimed it at the police and so why did the community respond the way that they responded? And I said, this is why the community responded the way that the community responded. Because the community came to a scene assuming everything was blocked off. So when they came, they came assuming that this young man did not have a gun. The U.S. Marshals killed him, and he was unarmed. They assumed that. They, they assumed it because so many African-American young men had been gunned down by the hand of law enforcement. Some uh, warranted some unwarranted but it's happened in our nation so many of us have seen videos of it take place it was a sense of we understood that hey if there's no video years ago 10 years ago nobody's had going facebook live nobody's recording anything so we we felt as a community that, that we, we, we're not going to get justice we understood that it's my word against the cop's word i'm an ex-felon you know, I'm, I'm not going to get any justice. So we understood that. But we felt that we had a chance once we started going Facebook Live and recording. Yeah. So now people are being killed. Blacks are being killed. There's no, you know, with no weapon. You got Philando Castillo who's reaching for his ID. You got a young man in, in um, I think it was in Carolina, that's running from the police officer. The police shot him in the back and planted a weapon on him. So you have all of these, Alton Sturdy, you have all of these incidents that we see that's been recorded and we're saying yes now we're going to get our day in court justice is going to be served you see it you know on camera and and the officers are still not convicted we, we, we're still considered um being in the wrong so now we say hey okay now we, we it was an insult but now you just spit in our face so the community came to the same byron and said hey look that that is what took place, and I said, "What happened to you? You came to the situation and said, assuming as well, and you assumed that the young man had a gun because that's the report of the police. You assumed that he was pointing the gun because that's the report of the police. But the problem is, both people are coming to the scene assuming the community came assuming he didn't have a gun. You came assuming that whatever the the police report said was true. No one was there. We didn't see it. The U.S. Marshals." could wear uh, a camera, but they chose not to wear a body cam. So here we are again, have to figure out what happened, you know. And so we have to work through those through those issues, you know, and, uh, and stop assuming and get the facts. And that's what we're here to try and do now, to get the facts. What actually happened? Did he have a weapon? If he had a weapon and he pointed his weapon at the police, man, look, I mean, it's no, you can't defend that. Yes. But did he have one? Yeah. Was he pointing at the police officer? Yeah. Is the report accurate? Why, why were there no body cams? Why did you choose the options of not wearing any body cams and you know what's been taking place 
in in our country. And it continues to perpetuate distrust with law enforcement in our community because the community feels as if, hey, man, we're treated like animals and we're not going to get a fair day. When we see Dallin Roof, who killed nine people and he get arrested and he gets a trip to Burger King. But our young men get arrested and reaching for his wallet and he goes to the morgue. That's what the outcry of the community was. Oh, and Myron, I was just thinking the residual of impact on the community, those who are witnessing all this, you know, just trying to peacefully live their lives and, and go about life raising their families in the community, and yet this is part yeah. of their life. And so I know that you have worked and tried to provide through your ministry, Absolutely. Innovation Church, counseling, because when you face trauma like this, you've got to be able to... Uh, debrief absolutely and talk through that mm-hmm. how is that working what are you doing to do that we're, we're, we're providing counselors uh, um, along with other churches in the community and i'm not sure how it's going with other churches i know we had not had a lot of people to come at all um because i think so many people they're desensitized they kind of accept it this is the norm this yep. is what we expect this yep. happens yeah you see this woman her son is laying dead in her driveway and they held her in the police car from 6 30 that night until 4 30 in the morning and no one from law enforcement or from our city has reached out to her. That's the norm because the picture that it paints, and I don't believe that all, I mean, I, man, we support our law enforcement. We feed our law. I mean, so I'm not anti-law enforcement. We no. love them. We feed them. We support them. They're our authority. We believe that. But you have to call wrong, wrong, whether it's in the hand of the young black man in the neighborhood or whether it's in, it, it comes from our mayor, our law enforcement, we have to call wrong, wrong and stop saying, hey, I'm I'm rolling with the law enforcement, regardless if they're right or wrong. Or I'm rolling with with little John, regardless if he's right or wrong. If John is wrong, we have to call wrong, wrong. If the law enforcement, we have to call it wrong. But it's become the norm. She sits in the police car to 430 in the morning. I didn't know that. She gets detained. She was not at the house. You're the mom. Take her down the street and, and keep her in the police car. And she's detained until 430 in the morning. So who defends for her? Who, who's her voice? Who, who advocates for her? You know, and so let me read this text message to you, uh, Byron. It was a face. I, I posted some on Facebook, and this young man said this. He said, uh, he tagged me in a post. He said, I'm trying to attend the rally or event in Memphis in support of the young man who Mr. Weber shot five times, left for dead, and stole his car. Where is that being held? My response was, I'm not sure at the moment. Maybe a church in the community that he was shot in can organize one. I'm sure his family would appreciate it. Maybe you can take the lead. Because the guy was really being sarcastic. He said, um, uh, looks looks like I probably would have to. Things that make you go hum. What's the criteria for you guys to hold a rally? Event, Myron Thomas. I said, we didn't hold it. His mother did, and we supported a mourning mother in our community. The mother doesn't know all the details, rather her son was guilty or not. Her concern right now is that he is gone and that she is hurting, and we comforted her. I believe that it would be great if you would lead the charge and put one on for the young man that was shot, since it seems like a really great concern for you. I'm sure that they would appreciate it. So it's sarcasm such as that to where, what about the young man? Those are still assumptions. If this took place, I think Brandon still should have been arrested and brought home, opposed to assassinated the way it looks was u.s marshals even looking to arrest him or they looking to assassinate him and i'm not jumping to conclusions we just want all the details and so if he needs to be held accountable then he needs to be held accountable if u.s marshals do then you know i think and and right now as you look at 
the grief, the pain of the family, what would Jesus do? I mean, when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, what he, he wept. That's right. And you as a minister of the gospel are just putting your arms of love Absolutely. in Jesus' name Absolutely. around Ms. Weber Absolutely. and her family and just trying to console them and just be a shoulder to cry on. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we. I think it's a must. We have to. That is a hurting family. You know, Byron, I don't, and, and you shot me a text, and I appreciate that. A couple of years ago, I lost my brother to violence yes. in our city. Someone robbed him and someone killed him. And and it was tough for us. And, I, you know, I wouldn't wish that on any family to go through anything like that. We've gotten criticized for praying for a young man that shot a police officer years ago. Now, we prayed for him. We prayed that God saved this man's soul. And people, how can you pray for a murderer. And that was prior to my brother getting killed. Byron, I pray for the young man that killed my brother. So this is kingdom work. This is not about size. This is about kingdom work. This is about what would Jesus do? I pray that God would save that young man's soul. You know, so this is not, it didn't hit your, your back. It hit my home. And the same response that I took for someone who murdered my brother is the same response I'm taking for a young man that killed a police officer. Because he has a soul, and his soul needs to be saved as well. I think that's what Jesus would do. I think you're totally right. And you're putting it in perspective. And what's sad is how the body of Christ gets confused on these things. Absolutely. It should be very clear. Absolutely. You know, and they become divided. Absolutely. We choose our political party over, over what the Word of God says. We choose our race over what the Word of God says. And that has to stop. I'm a believer before I'm anything else. Yes. You understand? That's right. That, that is my first priority, loving God. Period. You know, and so if it hurt the community, if it hurt law enforcement, I'm for truth. I'm, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus say? And that's how I try to live my life. And as you love God, what does God command us to do? Love others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't tell you to choose what skin color or what they're going through or what they did. Absolutely. What did Jesus do when he was on the cross? Absolutely. There was two thieves that were right <laughs> beside him. He said, this day you will be with me, me in paradise. paradise. Eternity is what we're talking about here. It's far greater, yes. you know, being able to reach the Weber family past this and help them through this time. Yes. Uh, I um, I thank you so much for you taking the slack, too. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> oftentimes as a man of God, you do that, right? Absolutely. They come with the turf, man. <laughs> Something that uh, I read this in your bio, that you're often called upon to advocate for the poor, neglected, and underserved throughout the city and I was going to ask you, how difficult is that for you at times? Oh, man, it, it, it's difficult, but it comes with the turf. It's kind of like working out, you know. Man, listen, it's going to hurt sometime, you know. But if you want to be in shape, then you got to deal with the pain of getting in shape. And so I understand the pain, the criticism, the misunderstanding that comes with it. But, you know, we up for the challenge because, I mean, this is what I'm called to. This is what we signed on to. And we knew that it wasn't going to be pretty all the time. Yeah. You know, sun, sometimes Sunday morning is really pretty, but 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 Monday afternoon is tough and difficult. You know, we're going to a scene where the four-year-old was killed in Frazier yesterday. So we're going to that scene today. It's not going to be a pretty scene. We don't like addressing issues like that, but that's what we're called to do. Uh, Innovation Church, I know you guys have been plowing ground. You're doing things for the kingdom that's incredible. You're seeing life change. Absolutely. The ministry is incredibly – how many years now? A little bit over six years. Over six years. Over six years. Just kind of reflect for a moment of what you've seen over the past six years. 
Man, I, I've seen growth in quantity as well as quality. You know, people come to innovation that did not know the Lord at all, who never been to a church, never had a church home, who's come and God has changed their lives. And so we're seeing men get baptized. We're seeing guys who have um, been convicted of murder change. We're seeing lawyers, doctors, judges, vice lords, crips and bloods worship in the same environment and get fed off the same word. And so God is doing something amazing at Innovation Church. And look, I'm not just saying it because I'm the leader of Innovation Church. I'm saying it because he is doing something amazing that blows our mind each and every week. And you get to walk into that. I get to walk into it, man. Yeah. A group of hungry people that's excited about kingdom work, that's excited about reaching out to families, excited about reaching out to officers, excited about reaching out to our community, doing work outside of the four walls. And so... I get to do it. One of the things that we say, we don't have to do this, but we get to do this. We get to serve our community. We, we're excited about it. Going back to Mrs. Weber, as we kind of wrap up our show today, would you say there's any way that those listening, if they wanted to reach out in the love of Christ to write a note or to share something, would you encourage them to do that? Um, I think at this point, no. I think um, just she need prayers yes. um, and concern. I think after the funeral, letting her get through the funeral, then I think maybe maybe notes and, and just encouragement that, hey, we love you. We know that you're, you're grieving and whatever we can do to come alongside you. I think that would be encouragement, encouragement for her. I mean, this is a, a great young lady. Um, you know, she's not oblivious to her son. She know he's a smart, talented individual. She know that he wasn't perfect like none of us are. You know, but uh, just a really sharp woman. I think sometimes the media paint a different picture, you know, yes. uh, of our community. And so she's a sharp lady. Well, I would want to thank you, Myron, for clearly painting a picture of what your life is like and the people that you love and you minister to. And it's throughout the city, I know, that that love permeates in Christ's name. And I thank you so much. You can't be a stranger. we got to get you back Let's in here it, more often, Let's man. Do it. I'm, I'm, I love it when we get together. Yeah. So let's talk about service times. So folks want to come and worship at Innovation Church, uh, when are the service times? 9.07 a.m. and 11.07 a.m., Sunday morning. Why just 7? Because we're innovative. Yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> like it. it. Yeah. Because we knew people would ask, and we can say, because we're innovative. Because you're you know? innovative. Yeah. Okay. And we start at 9.07, man. I mean, it's every every Sunday. And give the web page, too, if folks want to come to the website. Um, InnovationChurchMemphis.com. Innovation Church, www.innovationchurchmemphis.com. Um, you can follow us on uh, social media, 3925 Overton Crossing uh, in the Frazier community. And if somebody might want you to come and speak to their group, speak to their church, are, are you available? I am. Okay. I am. Depending on when. Not, not 907 or 1107. No, no, no I, I understand. <laughs> Dear friend, I love you, man. man God I love bless you, you as well. man. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate what you're doing for Christ's kingdom. Yes, thank you for what you're doing as well, man. Uh, it's a pleasure always. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.